In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He did that. He created everything that we see, every mountain that we see, every tree that we see, the stars and the sun and the moon, everything we see, He created it. He created the heavens and the earth. All the waters that we see, the oceans and, and the land and everything we see, God created. At the very top of His creation was man. And what made us different than the rest of creation, every animal that we see, because we're not just an animal, we're something different. We were created not just to be an animal, but we were created in God's image. In God's image, we were made, man and woman, we were made in God's image. What does that tell you? That tells you that we bear God's image, that we reflect what He is, our character, what we're supposed to be. We reflect who God is. When I look at you, when you look at me, we're supposed to be able to see God's image. We're supposed to be reflections of God's image. And you may ask, why do I always go back to the beginning? Because I believe that if we want to know our purpose, if we want to know what we're here for, if we want to know where we're going to go or the, the direction of our lives, we have to go back to the beginning to God's intention. We have to see why he created us. Because we're not just here by chance. Our life is not just here just by a bunch of chances and all of a sudden our parents are just who they are just because everything happened by circumstance. This is not just, you know, just consequence. Okay, this is just, this, we are intended to be here for a reason. We are here for a reason. We are only here for 80 some odd years. We have to have a purpose. This can't just be, we're not just a bunch of dust particles running around this earth and we have no meaning. We do have a meaning. And we go back to that. What is our meaning? What is our purpose? If we want to bullet down to something, we're supposed to reflect God's image. So today, we're going to be talking about we either reflect God's image or we reject it. We either reflect it or we reject it. And so we're going to be talking about a story in Acts. Uh, we're going to start in Acts chapter 6. Uh, there's a man named Stephen that we're going to be talking about. He was, he was one of the seven chosen to serve the early church. And, and he was kind of the leader of, uh, you know, he kind of headed up feeding a lot of the Christians who were in need of food. And that's what he did. He served a lot. But what we do know about him is that he didn't just serve. He didn't just go and hand the food to somebody. He didn't just organize this plan to say, hey, we're going to give these portions and we're going to spread it out evenly so that everybody can, can have their needs met. He didn't just do that. He wasn't just a logistics manager. He was full of grace. He was full of wisdom. And he was full of the Spirit, capital S. He was full of that, and, and, and his wisdom, that people uh, would debate him, and, and he would be able to articulate his answers in such a way that they would be amazed at his wisdom and the spirit that he taught in, because he was so full of God's grace and God's spirit. He was a reflection of God's image. In chapter 6, starting in verse 8, it's what it says, 
Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say this Jesus, that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. So this man Stephen was an amazing guy. He was full of God's grace and he was performing miracles because of God's power in him. And some men did not like that when they went to debate him, they were, he was always beating them because of the wisdom and the spirit with which he taught, which, with which he spoke. And so since they knew they could not beat him in debating him and trying to take him down by what they say, he got some men, they got some men on the side and said, hey, I want you to stir up some trouble here. I want you to say that Stephen is lying about the law of Moses, that he's lying about God. Stephen is blaspheming it. He's saying that this is false and that this Jesus of Nazareth came to destroy this temple, basically. And so he, he got some people to lie on, on Stephen. And so they brought Stephen before the high council. So, so Stephen, amazing guy, somebody's lying against him, and now he's put on trial. And this is his story. At this point, he's on trial. At this point, everyone in the high council started, stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. So he's brought before the high council. And when they bring him up to try to, to, try to interrogate him and try to get him to speak about what, what these lies are about, or they didn't know they were lies, his face just started glowing. What does this remind you of? In Exodus, Moses was the leader that was supposed to bring the Israelites out of Egypt, out of their oppression. And God calls Moses, basically, to, to do this. And Moses is like, I can't do this. This is, this is a task beyond me. I can't do this, Lord. I can't do this. And he's like, I'm calling you to do it. And he's like, well, God, you have to be with me. I cannot do this on my own. If you come with me, that is the only way is if I bring your presence with me, if your glory is with me. And so what did he do? Moses is called by God, and God says, hey, come with me. And he goes up on this mountain called Mount Sinai, and nobody else is allowed to go with him. So he gets up there and the clouds cover the mountain so that no one can see up there. No one can see what's going on. And God did not reveal his whole glory to Moses because if he revealed the fullness of his glory, Moses could not even live. So he showed him just a glimpse of his glory. What is his glory? What is God's glory? It speaks of his magnificence. It speaks of his radiance, his renown, his beauty, his ultimate beauty. It speaks of his infinite value and his infinite worth. 
It speaks of His holiness. In Isaiah chapter 6, it says this, that the seraphim were flying around, and these just amazing creatures that had all kinds of wings and arms and crazy things about them. But they were flying around God's throne, and as they were flying around, they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. See, in my mind, I'm thinking that's supposed to say the whole earth is filled of His holiness. But what does it say? It says it's full of His glory. So what is His glory? It's His holiness on display for all to see. When we see God's holiness, we call it glory. So when Moses was up on that mountain, he went up there and he saw just a glimpse of God's holiness. He saw His glory. When he came back down from that mountain, and he was going to give the people the words that God had spoken to him. God, God had told Moses, I want you to tell your people this. And when he came down to speak to his people, his face was glowing. It was bright. And he had no idea that his face was bright, that his face was glowing. They had to tell him. So they looked at his face and they saw God's glory. Same thing here. When he got brought before the council, he was living in the Spirit by God's grace. He was living for God's glory, and his glory, God's glory was shining from his face. So the people were staring at him. And they asked him, Hey, Stephen, are these accusations true? And his reply was not yes or no. His reply was this. Oh, since you're going to say that I'm blaspheming my ancestors, I'm going to tell you exactly what my ancestors did. And I'm going to tell you that I didn't blaspheme them by telling you the truth about them. You see, he started off with this man named Abraham. This man named Abraham, God had uh, came to Abraham and he said, he said, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you this special land. It's called the promised land. And I'm going to give you, uh, as, many, uh, I'm going to give you as many descendants as there are sand on the seashore. I'm going to give you as many descendants as there are stars in the heavens. I'm going to give you all these descendants. And for a while, he couldn't have any kids, him and his wife. But finally, they had their son named Isaac. And then Isaac had a son named Jacob. And then Jacob had a son named Joseph. And I think we all know the story of Joseph. You see, Joseph was sold into slavery. He was sold into slavery by his 11 other brothers. He was the 12th brother. But his 11 other brothers sold him into slavery. And when he, he went through all this stuff, he went to Potiphar's house, and he was this, he was that. He was, he was the ruler of, of Potiphar's slaves and this. And he got all kinds of stuff, but eventually he ends up in this place called Egypt. And when he gets there, he interprets some dreams for the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh puts him in second in command. And these dreams were about these seven fat cows and these seven skinny cows. And, and Joseph was telling him, hey, it's because we're going to have a famine. These seven fat cows means there's seven good years, and these seven skinny cows are seven years of famine. And so we have to prepare for that in the seven good years. 
And so when all that goes down, the whole world begins to starve. And guess where they come? They come to Egypt. Guess who's part of the other world? His 11 brothers and the rest of his family. And so when everybody starts to starve, they come to him. His brothers come to him. They get reunited. And then everybody moves to Egypt because Joseph is second in command. And he's providing for them. They got this, their own plot of land. They got their own place so that shepherds could be there so that they can have all their stuff. And they settled there in Egypt. Well, then Pharaoh dies or just gets removed from the throne. And new guy rises up. We got a new king, and he does not know anything about Joseph's story. And what he begins to do is he begins to oppress the Israelites. He begins to do really bad things to them. In fact, he told them that when they had a baby, they had to abandon it because they began to increase in number somewhere around 2 million. And they told them, hey, when you have a baby, you have to abandon it so that it would die. And one of those babies was named as Moses. So Moses' parents had him. And they had to abandon him. But they put him in this little basket and put him on the Nile River. And guess who found him? Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter found him, adopted him, raised him as her own. And so Moses rises up. When he turns 40 years old, he begins to wonder, who am I? Where did I come from? What's my purpose? Just like we all do. And he goes to his Israelite family, he goes back to where he came from, and God calls him to do something. Just like when he went up to Mount Sinai, this is the story. To where God says, hey, you're going to deliver your people from Egypt. I'm tired of seeing them be oppressed like they are. So I'm going to show them myself. I'm going to show them my glory by rescuing them through you. And so Moses did that. He rescues them. And then after Moses comes this man named Joshua. And then after Joshua came this man named David. And you see, David had this thing in mind that he did not want this, this temple that they had built back in Moses' day. And Joshua carried around every time he went into war. They didn't want just something they carried around anymore. They wanted a permanent building. They wanted something that, they could, that God's dwelling could be in and they could be there. And it would not be taken down. You see, but David didn't build that temple. His son Solomon did. So they built the temple. But God's dwelling is not in just a building. There was symbol in that. It was symbolic of that one day God's dwelling will be in our temple. That God's image would be in us. His, see, in Exodus chapter 40... They, the, the temple was finally built. It was erected, and, and it's this big, glorious building. It's amazing. And they built it for a purpose, and it was not complete without God's glory. It said that God's glory came into the temple, and that's when it was complete. Our temple, too, is not complete without God's glory. And so Stephen gives this whole shebang, and he's like, hey, I'm telling y'all who our ancestors are. I'm telling you the story. I'm telling you what they were here for. And this is what he tells them. Chapter 7, verse 51, it says, You stubborn people, 
You are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. So he calls them stubborn. In the ESV, it says that they, he said, you stiff-necked people. You have one way of looking at things, and you can't go apart from it. Because your neck is stiff. And you got a thick skull, and you won't listen. You got your hands over your ears. Will you forever resist the Holy Spirit? It says, that's what your ancestors did. Your ancestors did that, and so do you. Because you know who Abraham was? He was a shadow of a reality to come named Jesus. You know who Moses was? He was a shadow of the reality to come named Jesus. Jesus was the bigger and better Joseph. Jesus was the bigger and better Moses who delivered us and rescued us from our sin. Just like he delivered them out of Egypt, Jesus delivers us from our sin, from our oppression, from our bondage. And he's telling them, do you not listen? Do you not see what's going on here? They didn't just, it's not just a history book. There's something behind it. There's something more to the story. God's trying to speak to you, but you will not listen. You refuse to listen. You got hard heads, and you want to do it your own way, and you resist the Holy Spirit. He said, name one prophet that you didn't persecute. They put Joseph in slavery in Egypt. They didn't listen to Moses when he came down from the mountain. They said, what has become of this Moses guy? I said, I don't want to listen to him anymore because his face is gone from God's glory. What we're going to do is we're going to make a calf out of gold and we're going to worship the stars instead because you don't listen. And see, here's the thing. We look at them and say, man, you should have listened, religious leaders. You should have listened to them. You shouldn't have resisted the Holy Spirit. Do you not see you not see that Moses was supposed to deliver you and that's supposed to be Jesus? Do you not see that Joseph was the same way? Do you not see that? God might be asking you the same question. We cannot look at them and say, you should have listened because you know why they're in there, right? Because God's trying to speak to you. He's trying to show you that you should not have deaf ears. He's trying to show you that you should open your eyes and see what's before you. You see, God created two creatures, the only two creatures that he created that ever rebelled against him. No lion ever rebelled against God. No cheetah ever rebelled against God. No tree ever rebelled against God. No star ever rebelled against God. The angels and the humans did. But you see, the angels, when they fell, they were forever in darkness. Forever. When they fell, that's that's what we call demons. And that's who Satan, the leader of all the demons, that's who they are. They're forever in darkness. They're forever going to have a destination of hell forever. 
And the ones who did not rebel, they're forever secured in His righteousness. But for us, it's different. See, He looked on us with love. And see, He wanted to redeem His people. He wanted to reveal His glory to us so that we can be redeemed and restored back to the original thing that He created us for, and that's to be with Him. He wanted to restore us. See, angels look into salvation and they marvel. They look into salvation and they really wish they could understand it because they can't. The fact that we rebelled against Him, yet He pursues us. Yet he loved us so much that he would take our punishment on the cross so that we could have a right relationship with him in perfection so that one day we would not have to live forever in hell with all the rest of the angels who rebelled, but yet we could live with them in righteousness because of the fact that Jesus died for us. They look into that and they're like, wow. And we look at it like, what? What's the big deal? Yeah, he died for me. Oops, I sinned again. Angels marvel at that. And we're supposed to be a reflection of God's glory. And God's glory is what? His holiness on display. And we're supposed to be holy as our Heavenly Father is holy. You will not be perfect, but you pursue holiness. When you pursue holiness, bad things happen and they're a burden. They don't happen and you you enjoy them. You don't enjoy your sin. I heard it this way, that sin is not a pleasure that delights us. Rather, it's a burden that afflicts us if you're pursuing holiness. And this is what it says. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation because he said, you're the ones who murdered him. We are. Our sin They shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. He's saying, look. I'm telling you again, you got one more chance. He's not going to quit until his last breath. He's not going to quit trying to let them see God's glory. It's open to him. He can see it because he's full of the Spirit and he's full of grace. And he's like, God, I want you. That's all you have to do is want him. You want his glory, he will reveal it to you. If you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. When your heart is divided... You will not have him because your heart still wants sin. Do you still sin? Yes, but do you still want sin? I don't want sin. I don't want its disgustingness. I don't want the way it makes me feel. I don't want all of its pleasures because it does not please me anymore. God's glory pleases me. God's presence is what I enjoy. I don't enjoy sin anymore. I don't want that. I want holiness. I want to be in his presence Forever, even here, I want people to see his holiness in me. 
I don't want them to see sin in me so that I can relate to them. I want them to see holiness in me so that they would desire that. And he's letting them, hey, look, see, look. Jesus is right here in the place of honor. The man we just got through talking about, he's in the place of honor. He is who he said he was. And listen. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. Stephen reflected God's glory. They were rejecting God's glory. They literally put their hands over their ears after he just said, You are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. They literally put their hands over their ears and shouted because they did not want to hear the truth. The truth is is that Jesus came to rescue you from your sin, but we don't want to recognize our sin because we're too prideful. We cannot reflect God's glory because of our pride. You know who God gives grace to? The humble. You know how you are saved? It's by grace. So you cannot receive God's grace, God's salvation, if you are not humble. And sometimes your sin, actually all the time, will make you prideful to the point you do not want to recognize it. You do not want to recognize just how bad you are because you don't want somebody telling you you're bad. That's not what he's trying to tell you. He's trying to say, I'm rescuing you. Moses was like, I'm trying to rescue you from this oppression, and they didn't want it. They wanted their, their three square meals a day. They didn't want manna from heaven. He's like, I'm rescuing you. He says, listen to me. I'm calling out to you in love. I showed that to you on the cross. Yet you refuse to listen. You put your hands over your ears and you shout because you want to continue to live in this temporary body full of pleasure from sin. And you don't want to listen. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul, and they stoned him. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. This series we're in is called uh, Dying to Self. So you can either, with your life, there's two people, two groups of people. We see we, we, me and my wife talk about this all the time. We make the, we make the gray area in, of sin way too big. Whether it's drinking alcohol, you know, it's like, well, you can have a drink, but, you know, you, getting drunk is pretty bad, but, like, how much is too much drink? How much is, no, the, the gray area is way too big. Bad language, the gray area is way too big. See, to me, if you're pursuing holiness, and I feel like the Word of God explains this, if you're pursuing holiness, those things will not be your desire. 
So that, so that this is sin, off the stage, this is sin, and all this is holiness. If I'm trying to pursue holiness, I'm not going to be near this edge. I'm not going to be right here wondering just how close I can get to sin without stepping off into it. So I'm going to have one drink, not too many. I'm going to say these words, but not cuss words. So we're, we're, just gonna, we're not going to pursue holiness so much, but we're, we're also we're just not going to sin. So we narrow Christianity down to what? Following the 11th commandment, right? Just doing, you know, don't cuss, be sweet, be nice, come to church. Come to church and try not to sin. That's not what that is. You're supposed to pursue holiness. Because you know what you're supposed to be? A reflection of God's glory. You can either reflect it by pursuing holiness, or you can reject it by just getting close enough to sin or living in sin. You can reject it if you want. So what do you do with your life? Are you reflecting God's glory? But I'm going to tell you this. You won't have to tell anybody. You know who noticed Moses' face shining? You know who noticed Stephen's face shining? Everybody. They all stared at him because his face was so bright. You know what we're supposed to be? The light of the world. You won't have to tell somebody how much you pray. You won't have to tell somebody how much you read your Bible. You won't have to tell somebody how much you show up to small groups. You won't have to tell somebody that you're at the church every time the doors are open. You won't have to tell somebody about your mission trip. You won't have to tell anybody anything because they will see it in your face. They will see it from the fruit of your life. But you could be rejecting God's glory by living for yourself. And that could include coming to church. That could include praying. That could include reading your Bible. Because you know why? Sometimes we have selfish motives. In fact, I would say more times than not, our motives are kind of are, are skewed by our selfish, our selfish ambition, our, our selfishness. And you can reject God's glory by being so inclined to yourself and not inclined to Him that even the things you do for God is not for His glory. I'm going to go feed the hungry. Oh, for God's glory. It's all, all to you, God. God's glory, God's glory, God's glory. But are you reflecting His holiness? When you go and do that, are you reflecting Him? That's what the glory is. You cannot manufacture glory and throw it at Him as if it's His now. No, the glory was, is in within the deed. The glory is with you. His presence is with you. It is for his glory because they see you as an image of God. They see you as a representation of Jesus Christ, Colossians 3.17. They see you as that representative. You are an ambassador for Christ. You are the good news messenger. You're a broken jar full of living water. That's who you are. So when you go and do this good deed, like feeding the hungry, which is what Stephen did, you're doing it for God's glory because he is with you, not because you manufacture the glory. When you're cooking the food, the glory is not cooking with it. You are there representing Christ. That's the glory. So are you reflecting it or are you rejecting it? And the only way, the only way you can reflect God's glory is if you die to yourself. 
Dying to yourself might be the hardest thing in the entire world. And the good news about it is, is you don't have to kill yourself. Metaphorically. You don't have to do that. You see, you put your faith in Christ and he kills all your selfish desires. You put your faith in Christ, he gives you that strength. You're way too weak to do it on your own. That's why you have to lean on him. That's why you have to follow him. That's why he says, rest in me. If your heart is not at rest, you do not have him. You cannot lay yourself down. You have to go to him and let him help you. You have to get the strength from him. So, are you dead to yourself? And you cannot just say that, not in the spur of a moment. You cannot just right now in this moment, you can't just be like, okay, self, I'm dying to you. That's not how that works. When your faith is fully in Christ, I'm pretty sure, yeah, surrender. It's saying, I give up. It's saying, I give up. You're you're just laying it all down. And you're saying, God, take me. Take me in. I want my face to shine with your glory, not my own anymore. I want to know that when I die, I get to experience your full glory. So are you dead to self today? Because if you are, your face will be shining with his holiness, with his glory. And that's how you know. That's how you know. That's how you know whether you're dead to self or not. If your face is shining with your own glory, with darkness, that's how you know you're not dead to self. You're still living for self. You need to examine your heart and make sure you're not living for yourself. Examine your heart deeply. You know know how you do that? You allow God to search the depths of your heart. You allow God to search the depths of your heart. David himself said, God, search the depths of my heart. Bring out the impurities. God, create in me a new heart. God, purify my heart. Look at your heart. Is it purified? Is it full of Christ? Is it full of godly desires? Is it full of hatred for sin? That's how you can tell. So ask yourself today, is your life a reflection or a rejection of God's glory? I think you know. And the only way that that's going to change is if you lay your life before him. It's the only way. So, that's you, just come and pray. Come and pray. Reject yourself. Come and pray. Cry. Please just cry. Stop holding it back. I mean, who are you here to impress? Seriously. Think about your sin. Think about, think about what you've done. Think about how far you are from God and let that break your heart. 
Stop resisting the Holy Spirit. If you're not listening right now, listen. Because I'm telling you something you need to hear. God's word is telling you something you need to hear. So I quit repeating yourself. I'm repeating myself because our heads are hard. We have thick skulls. We need to stop resisting the Holy Spirit. Let it be, fill our lives with power so that our face would glow. Stop living the same life every single week, the same routine, same thing over and over. Let God change your heart. Be transformed. Let Him transform your mind to stop thinking the same way. Stop When you get in the, in the car and you turn on the radio, stop turning on the same stuff because it's infiltrating your mind. Stop watching the same movies. Stop watching the same TV shows. Seek after Him, not yourself. Your life should be a picture of God and the gospel. Do it. I'm saying if we're going to follow Christ, we should do it the way the Bible says. That's all I'm saying. Some of us have more movie lines memorized than Bible verses. Why is that? So, well, don't be a legalist. I'm saying read the Bible. I'm saying the Bible's important. I'm saying it's really, really important. It's our life. I'm saying that when we read the gospel, we should put ourselves in there. We say, Jesus, I follow you. I love you. And I'm thankful that you died for me. I want to live for you. I don't want to live for myself anymore. Yet we continue to do so. Why do we do that? You have to seek out your own heart. You can't let somebody else just tell you over and over again. You have to tell yourself the truth and stop covering your ears and shouting so that nobody can get to you. You got walls built up in your heart so that even God cannot speak to you. And he's going to say, you know what? If you want yourself, you can have yourself. You're settling, but you can have yourself. Why would we settle for anything less than God's glory? Why would we settle for earthly satisfaction? Why would we settle for new cars? Why would we settle for all these earthly pleasures and not go to God's glory, which will satisfy us more than anything that is on this earth? Why would we do that? Search deep inside your heart and be honest with yourself. Stop living the same life over and over and over and over again, seeking after yourself because you know you're miserable. If you're following Christ, you keep going. You be a warrior for Christ and do not let any complacent, what we would call Christian, hold you back and say, you can watch a little of this, you can listen to a little of this, you can drink a little of this, you can smoke a little of this, you can do this, you can do a little, you can gospel a little bit. Don't let any complacent Christian stop you from pursuing holiness because your face is shining. It is shining bright and God is getting glory from your life. And when you die and there's people who are going to be dying after you that have the gospel because you refuse to listen to all these complacent people not wanting to live for the gospel, they wanted to live for themselves. And when you get there, you're going to be like, thank God I didn't listen to them. Thank God I did not let them corrupt my heart because God, I'm for you and I'm looking to you. I want your glory, not theirs. now's the time that you can pray and examine your own heart. Father, I pray, Lord, that our lives would be shining with your glory. And that, God, we would be like Stephen and to the very last breath, God, we are 
preaching your gospel because it is such good news. Father, I pray that the stubborn hearts in here, God, the people with their hands over their ears, Lord, I pray that your voice would be even louder than their shouting. It would penetrate their hands. God, I pray you would encourage the Christian in here following you day after day, struggle after struggle, battle after battle with the thorn in their flesh. God, they are still trooping on. God, give them strength because, God, they are shining bright. They are shining bright for your glory. Father, I pray you would be glorified. I pray you would be glorified in, in the response that we have in our hearts to you, God, that we would surrender. We would raise up our white flags and we would wave them as hard as we could. Father, thank you for the opportunity to even be able to surrender. God, angels don't have that opportunity. God, we do. We have the opportunity to look at you, put our faith in you, and you would save us from our sin. I pray that we would do that. When we are saved from our sin, we would continue to pursue your holiness and run as far away from our sin as we possibly can. And we would get others to run with us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.